Church, would you stand with me as we read the, the word uh, this morning? I'm in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verses 15 through 21. If you are in the habit of uh, pulling up the scripture on your phone and you have the ability to change with translation, uh, you're reading from, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, I don't know if I've preached from the New King James before, but I'm, I, mean, I have way back when. Um, but I'll explain at the tail end of, of the sermon um, about two hours from now why, <laughs> why I chose uh, the New King James Version uh, for this morning's uh, reading. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, it says this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which dissipation, but be filled, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Father, as we look at your word this morning, I just continue to ask, would, would you teach us how to walk? Would you, would you teach us what it is to, to, to journey through this world in a way that is aware of just how near you are? Um, Lord, in this week ahead, as we find ourselves walking through our workplaces, our homes, our neighborhoods, um, would we know that you are acting redemptively around us and through us? Um, teach us to walk uh, with new perspectives. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Please have a seat. We like to think of ourselves as incredibly rational people. We like to, 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 to believe that we are rational. But I've got news for you. You are not as rational as you think you are. In a lot of ways, actually, we are pretty irrational. Um, and there are influences exterior influences and even inward influences that are impacting the way that we view the world around us that we might not be aware of. There was a study done by professors of psychology at Ohio State University. I'm going to read to you a pretty good section, um, the, the description of this study that was done. It says in this, in one study, the researchers told 82 college, college students that they were testing the sound quality of stereo headphones particularly how the headphones perform when they're being jostled as during dancing or jogging. Half the participants were told to move their heads up and down, nodding, about once per second while wearing the headphones. The other half was told to move their heads from side to side, shaking while listening on the headphones. All of the participants listened to a tape of a purported campus radio program that included music and a station editorial advocating that students be required to carry personal identification cards. After listening to the tape, the participants raided the headphones and gave their opinions about the music 
and the editorial that they heard. The study found that the head movements did affect whether they agreed with the editorial. But the effect is more complicated than might be expected. The study found that nodding your head up and down is in effect telling yourself that you have confidence in your own thoughts, whether those thoughts are positive or negative. Shaking your head does the opposite. It gives people less confidence in their own thoughts. So participants in the study who heard an editorial that made good arguments agreed more with the message when they were nodding in a yes manner than shaking it in a no manner. This because the nodding movement increased confidence in the favorable thoughts people had to the good arguments compared to the shaking. However, students who heard an editorial that made poor arguments showed the reverse pattern. These students agreed less with the message when they were nodding than shaking. This is because the nodding movements increased confidence in the negative thoughts they had to the poor arguments compared to the shaking. One of the researchers, whose last name is Petty, Petty said, a whole range of body movements, including things such as smiling, as well as other factors such as mood, influence our attitudes to an extent we are unaware. We like to think of ourselves as totally rational, Petty said. We like to think that if we're confident in something, it is because we've investigated the issues thoroughly. We certainly don't want to believe that our confidence can come because we're smiling or nodding or because we're in a good mood. But that seems to be the case. And here's the take home for me. Petty goes on to say, we have to be very vigilant when we're evaluating our own thoughts. We need to think about why we are confident or non are not confident in certain attitudes. Paul writes to us in, in this letter here, in this section of, of the letter to the Church of Ephesus, and, and, and the reality is that he's bringing to the table is, listen, you're being influenced in life. You're always being influenced either by exterior forces or there's even interior forces that are playing on you. You are being influenced, and it impacts your ability, our ability to be rational thinkers. And so as Paul writes to us, he's, he's, he, he goes through these, these three areas. Three, or I guess two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Paul is saying, listen, you have a new nature. You, you, you've been made new, and you need to live according to your new nature and not your old nature. And last week, we, we, we heard him reflect on the fact that, that, listen, you're no longer living in darkness, but you're called to live in the light. Come and live in the light. And now Paul is talking to us, and he's using this word walk a lot. As you walk through this world, as you walk in this life, you need to walk wisely. You need to walk with wisdom. And you, and don't, and you need to walk with discernment. And you need to walk in a way that it, where you're influenced by the Holy Spirit. 
you're not as rational as you think you are. And so these three areas are going to help us in, our, in the way that we view the world, in our attitudes, in our rationality. Like there, the, 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 there's this formative work that God is having upon our minds and our perspective uh, in how the world works. Walk circumspectly, Paul tells us. And the first area that he talks us to walk circumspectly is that we are to walk with a view of our time from a wise and not an unwise perspective. Paul relates walking with wisdom to how we approach our time. Now, here's, we're going to get, we're going to get theological here for a moment. One of the things that Paul is describing to us in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is that there's these two, using those words, time, teloses in the Greek, but there's these two ages that exist. There's this current age, if you could bring that up on the, the screen. It'll come. There's this age that we currently reside in. And on what, what we reflect on on Good Friday and Easter is that, that Jesus has inaugurated this new age that's to come. And, and so now where we live is in this now and not yet space. We live between Easter and Jesus' return. That's the space that we live in. And that space that we live in is the space of two overlapping worlds. It's the space of, of earth and heaven. And what we celebrate about Easter is the fact that Jesus is bringing heaven to earth. That now we do, and and what Ephesians chapter 2 is describing to us is, is Paul uses the words, you are, it's a present reality, you are currently seated in the heavenly places with Jesus. That's where you reside. That's your reality. And, and here's one of the reasons why I, I, I wanted to read from the New King James Version this morning is because, because there's this phrase that, that Paul uses, and maybe in some of your translations it just says, hey, make the most of your time. Right? Does anyone have a translation in front of them that, that maybe says that? Hey, make, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. But what Paul is writing here to us, he's, he's using this word, re- redemption. Redeem the time. And it's not just simply the statement that says, hey, make the most of your nine to five. It isn't, it isn't just merely this, this carpe diem kind of statement, right? Like the seize the day kind, kind of uh, exhortation that Paul is giving to us. No, what he's, what, he's, what he's communicating to us is this. You get to choose how you view what age you live in. And imagine if you assumed that the greatest influence upon your day today was the kingdom of God. Imagine if you lived with this assumption that you lived in a redemptive time. Imagine how you would approach your day. Imagine how you would live in this world 
if you believed you currently resided under the influence of your Father in heaven? What if God had the most influence upon your day? How would that impact how you live? You live in a redeemed moment. That's where you reside. And not only that, it's this invitation to participation. Do you realize that you get to act redemptively in your day-to-day? Do you realize that God has called you to participate with him and to partner with him in his work of redeeming today? Friends, you have so much more authority given to you than you realize. So much so that Paul says that you can live in this world as if you are your redeeming the cosmos. You can live in such a way that through the power of God's Spirit, you're redeeming time. Like, that's the calling upon your life. Redeem the time. Join him, partner with him. And seeing the world changed. Redeem the time. Here's the other thing that, that, that Paul communicates to us. Walk with a discerning and not foolish perspective. Foolishness, as you read through Scripture, is especially in the book of Proverbs, the way that you see foolishness described to us is, is that foolishness is living life from our own vantage point, from our own perspective. And wisdom, right, especially looking at the book of Proverbs, it's the statement that says, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And that statement, even Paul's bringing to the surface here, is that we would walk with, with wisdom, is this understanding that there is this reverence for the Lord. It's this perspective that says, woe is me, God, you are, you are unlike me, and your ways are are not like my ways. And so to walk with, with, with a discerning perspective and a, not a foolish perspective is this place in which we are constantly evaluating is, do I view the world and do I live in a way that comes alongside the way of Jesus? Do I live in a way that makes sense with the way of Jesus? Or is my perspective Perspective on the world, not jive with the way of Jesus. What we're constantly be, to be doing in our own space, in our own lives, is to hold up our perspectives and our worldviews with the way of Jesus and say, do they match? Do they match? My boys have this uncanny ability to be able to spot fake Pokemon cards. It may not make any sense to you whatsoever as I say that. And it doesn't hardly make any sense to me either. But all I know is that they, they, they've never even seen the show Pokemon before, but they love these Pokemon trading cards. 
And what, what, what we've done before is we've found like just a stack of Pokemon cards on OfferUp, and we went out and we bought them for them, and we gave them to them, and their immediate response, right, is like, these are fake. Like, from a distance, they can tell a knockoff Poke card from the real authentic Pokemon card. That kind of ability comes from infatuation. That kind of ability comes from staying in their rooms and constantly looking at Pokemon cards and memorizing Pokemon cards. And they're able to come out to us and they're just like, this one turns and evolves into this one and this one. Like, again, it makes absolutely no sense, but they're just like able, they've, they've memorized probably what, over a hundred different Pokemons? Like, you can't clean your room. but you can memorize just sheets upon sheets of Pokemon cards. There is a love that's there. And Paul's encouragement to us is, listen, is you have this kind of an infatuation with Jesus. You have this kind of a love for him. That you are so infatuated with Jesus and his ways that the formative work that is happening upon your hearts, that in a moment you could stop and you can say, that way of living is not the way of Jesus. That we constantly have this place, and this place of vulnerability and transparency before the Lord, where we, where we might regularly pray, like the, like the psalmist David did in Psalm 139, search me, O God, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way within me and lead me in the path of everlasting. God, is there anything about me that doesn't line up with who you are? Is there any space of my life that is not allowing me to live in the fullness of who you are? Search me, oh God, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Jesus preaches the greatest sermon ever as he sits on the side of a, of, a, of a hill. And as he does so, he teaches us your perspective on who you call blessed in this world is totally different than mine. How you treat your enemies, there's a different way to live. You've been living from this place that says an eye for an eye, but I say, love your enemy. You've been living from this place where you have two coats, but I'm going to tell you, if you have two coats, give one away. You've been viewing people and thinking about people and speaking to people in a certain way. I'm going to tell you that, that it starts from, from your thought life. And what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching us how to walk with wisdom. There is a greater way to be human. 
and it is a way that will lead to flourishing. And his invitation to us is with great passion and infatuation with him that like we've sung this morning, your love is greater. I've seen all the other ways. Your way is better than all of the others. I want to know your love. I want to view this world from your perspective. And what I have got to admit is that there are ways that I'm viewing the world that have got to be wrong. And it takes a place of humility. Church, can I, I can stand in front of you and say, I bet you there are some theological perspectives that I hold on to that are wrong. If I knew what they are, I wouldn't hold on to them. <laughs> but I don't know what they are. But I'm okay having this posture in life that says, God, if there are things that I, if there are ways that I view this world that, that need adjusting, change them. But the reality is when we look at our culture, our Twitter and Facebook culture around us, we are constantly speaking to one another in conclusions not in curiosity. I mean, we're, we're, we're divided people. And the reason is we live with this assumption that our views are the right views. But to walk with wisdom is to say, search me, oh God. Search me. And the next thing that, that Paul brings us to is that we would walk under the influence, not of drunkenness, but we would walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the perspective that, that Paul is bringing to the table here is each of these, each of these three areas are, are contrasts, like they're, they're opposites that he's bringing before us, right? That you would walk uh, not from foolishness, but that you'd walk from wisdom. You would walk, I'm, I'm messing them up. Can you tell me what my, my points have been? Can you go back a couple of slides? <laughs> that you'd walk with a view of our time from a wise and not wise perspective, right? There's the contrast there. You'd walk with a way that's discerning and not foolish. And now he's, he's bringing these opposites. And what he's bringing here is that you'd walk not with under the, the, the influence of drunkenness, but you'd walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what's the contrast that he's trying to bring, or he is bringing to the, to the table here for us? Is that, that we're meant to compare and contrast, and the comparing and contrasting is, is drunkenness inhibits your perspective on the world. And the Holy Spirit inspires your perspective on the world. The, the, the drunkenness kills your ability to walk with discernment. And the work of the Holy Spirit is that he will give you greater ability to discern what reality is. And so that's the perspective here. And so listen, all, your life is constantly under the influence of forces. And, and you get a choice to say, I would desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that my life might be, might be under his inspiration and so Paul expands upon this one, and again, this is why I wanted to, choose, to read from the New King James Version, is that there's commas in the New King James Version. That's really the motivation here. 
right? Because what he's doing here is he's saying in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now let me give you four examples of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is, where, this is where our Bible translations, a lot of times what we're holding in front of us, can, can, can sometimes even cause us to read Scripture in a way that, that influences how we're, we're viewing what, what the original authors are communicating to us, because we'll have these random little headers there. So if anyone has a Bible in front of them, you might even see that verse 21 is placed in a whole new paragraph. And it's a whole new sentence that you're looking at there in verse 21. That didn't exist in Paul's letter to us. What he's actually doing here is he's saying, listen, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like the translation could almost put a colon there and then have these four bullet points. This is what a life looks like that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What it looks like is that we would speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What it would look like is that we would sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. What it would look like is that we would give thanks in all things. And what it would look like to be influenced by the Holy Spirit is that we would submit to one another out of our submission to Jesus. That's what it means to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And let's break, I'll just spend two minutes on, on each of these, but the first one is that you can go forward and just stay on that, that page is that, um, is that we would speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What does this look like? Does this look like a college, Bible college campus where it seemed like every guy would bring out the guitar and sit on the hillside and start just playing and singing to the, to the girls on the campus? Is that what Paul, no, I don't think that's what he's writing here to us. No, what he's saying here is, is similar to what James is writing to the church. James, the, the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, says this in his letter to the church. He's talking about our tongue, and he says sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And I believe what Paul is teaching us here about the influence of the Holy Spirit is that we would speak to one another in a way that, that it has, has continuity with how we praise God. One, one biblical commentator, when they looked at this passage, said it this way. The worship poems of Scripture shape how I talk to you. I talk to you in a way that has been influenced by God's Word. The Holy Spirit moves upon my life, and I learn to speak to you in a way that lines up with my worship of God. And doesn't that make sense for any of you that have read the, the, the minor prophets in Scripture? <laughs> Does that make sense with any of you that have read through like the book of Amos where God tells the people of God, get away from me with, with, with your songs? But the kind of worship that I look for, the kind of fasting that I look for is taking care of widows and orphans and, and the poor. 
And so when Paul writes to us, listen, the influence of the Holy Spirit upon your life is that you're going to speak to one another in a way that lines up with your worship of Yahweh. The way that you speak to one another is going to, is, is, is going to, is, is going to line up with the Hebrew Scriptures. The poems that you see over the pages of Scripture, the way that you speak to, to one another, it's going to sound like that. And Paul literally just did this in verse 14. Last week we read a poem that Paul writes. Paul writes this poem because he's been influenced by the Hebrew Scriptures. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. Paul is literally showing him this is what it looks like to speak to one another. We speak hope to one another. We speak life to each other. Our words are good to each other. And there's not this contrast between how I speak to you and how I worship Jesus. Next thing that he would say is singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. A heart that has the external influence of the Holy Spirit upon it will be a singing heart. One of the, the primary influences that the Holy Spirit has upon our life is that he teaches our heart to just love Jesus. He teaches our heart what it is to have this, this peace and this joy and this life about it. I want to be careful as, as, as I say this because this is definitely more, it's, it's all a me thing and, and not what was happening on stage last week thing. What I mean by that is last week as I came in, into the worship service, to the worship gathering, we'd start off our morning with a time of worship together, and as we were worshiping, can I just tell you, I wasn't feeling it. Again, that's, that, that was a me thing. I came in and I was, I don't want to be you guys, right? Like it's hard to transition on Sunday mornings just to step into worship and just immediately be like, yes, praise God right now. But there were distractions, there were thoughts, there were sermon notes. There, 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 was, there were all these things that were on my mind. And as we entered into worship, I was having a hard time engaging. But as the morning went on, man, what it felt like was that the Holy Spirit was just winning me over. And this is the influence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. He teaches us to sing. He moves us to a place of thankfulness and praise and adoration. The Holy Spirit is, is just like, it's, it's, it's like, those, like a boulder on the side of a river. And what you understand is that the constant influence upon that Stone, the constant influence of the waves just over, over hundreds of years, over thousands of years as that water is, is constantly pushing up against that boulder, it's having a formative effect on it. And the influence of the Holy Spirit is constantly having this, this long, he plays the long game in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly working on us. And the thing that he teaches us to do is to sing, to worship, to, to love Jesus. 
Here's the, the next thing that, that Paul then says. The influence of the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that will look like is giving thanks always for all. Paul writes these just massively long sentences. Giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing that I want to point out here is what Paul so not, not so subtly does throughout his entire letter to the church of Ephesus is that he is constantly incorporating the work of the Trinity. And he's constantly showing to us how the Father, the the Son, and the Spirit are working together for our good. And so here in this sentence, what he's showing to us is you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to give thanks to the Father, and you're going to give thanks to the Father in the name of the Son. And here again, the, the Trinity is working together. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? Is The Holy Spirit is teaching us to love the Father the way that the Son loves the Father. And when you read through the Gospel accounts, what you will constantly see Jesus doing is turning his face to heaven and saying, Thank you, Father. Thank you. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit upon your life. What the Holy Spirit is teaching you is this. That intimate relationship that the Son has with the Father, I want that relationship for you with the Father. I I, want to work on your life in such a way that as you see the Son in every moment looking to the Father and saying, I thank you. I thank you for this bread. I thank you that you've revealed these things to, to the disciples of mine. I, I, I thank you for, I thank you for, I thank you for. That, 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 that relationship where the son has with the father, where it's just like everywhere that Jesus is going, he's saying, I don't do things on my own accord. I, do, I, I say the things that the father tells me to say. That level of connection where Jesus is sitting and he's telling the disciples, I tell you what, the father and I are one. That nearness, that closeness, that ability to to know the Father's will, that can be yours. The Trinity is working together so that you might be invited into their dynamic love for one another. God is love. Father has always loved Son. Son has always loved Spirit. Spirit has always loved Father, right? Like, and there's this beautiful dance that's taking place as they have always loved one another. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to have that. I want you to be that close to the Father. And then the last one is this, is submitting to one another in the fear of God. We're going to spend all next week on this. Because, and what I mean by that is, is that, that Paul uses this last one in a way that, that almost, it's not like it causes him to go on a tangent, but he says, this is what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your life's going to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to, you're going to speak to one another, in a way that, that lines up with your worship of God. Your, your, your hearts are going to be moved to a place of, of joy and adoration. 
you're, you're going to, to give thanks to the Father in all things. And, and the life influenced by the Holy Spirit is, is a life that submits to us to one another. And it's like, oh, speaking of that, let me explain to you the new household code for the followers of Jesus. What does it look like for us to submit to one another? And I'm already giving you my bias on how to read the household code conducts uh, that, that Paul goes into that we're going to spend time on next week. Because what he says is, right, he says, submit to one another out of, out of your reverence for Jesus. And, he's, and then he goes into wives to your husbands, husbands, love your wives, children, parents, parents, children, slaves, masters, masters, slaves. And all of those verses are, are an expansion upon this is what it looks like to have a life that's influenced by the Holy Spirit. You submit to one another. And you willingly place your life under other people. And it is a radical and challenging word that, God, that, that, that Paul brings to God's people. And what it looks like is wives submit to your husbands, but it also looks like husbands submit to your wives. What, what, it, what it looks like is, is, is this. I believe that anything that I do of significance in this world is because my life has been influenced by the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, then, then that, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing for all of us. And, and the reason that we can, we can place our lives under one another is because we believe that God works through every member of the body of Christ. Right? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon the church, and the very first things that, that happen is, is that Paul get, um, Peter gets up and he begins to preach, and he says, this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes upon humanity. When the Holy Spirit comes upon humanity, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. When, when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon humanity, your young will have visions and your old will dream dreams. What it looks like for the Holy Spirit to come upon humanity is all this, this understanding, this ability for the, for, for, for the people of God to understand God doesn't have favorites. And so I can learn from anyone in the body of Christ. I can receive from anyone in the body of Christ. Because what I believe is the Holy Spirit is working through all of us. And if the Holy Spirit's working through all of us, then, then yes, I'm going to place my life under others. Because, because if I don't, then I'm cutting off one of the sources that the Holy Spirit's wanting to speak to me through. And, and the work of the Holy Spirit amongst the body of believers is, is all the social hierarchies that exist around you not here. Because in Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's now male nor female. There's no longer, there's no longer slave or free. But you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So submit to one another.
learn from each other. Be willing to place your life under each other. Let me, let me finish up our time just by reading this little passage from you from Philippians. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And the work of the Holy Spirit is teaching us God doesn't have favorites and he's willing to pour out his spirit upon all people. And I'm going to treat the church and interact with the church as if I really believe that. Church, would you stand with me? Let me just pray the prayer that, that I quoted earlier from, from the psalmist David. Search me, O oh God. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts this morning. See if there is any offensive way within me. And Lord, I pray, lead us. Lead us in the way of everlasting. And so we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.